Welcome to The Plug with Bushy, Sin, and the Mountain Man. This is the podcast that has no rules. And now your host, Bushy, Sin, and the Mountain Man. Hey, welcome to The Plug with Bushy, Sin, and the Mountain Man. That is right, our debut episode. How are you guys doing? What is up? I'm that would good. be you two crazy fucking co-hosts. That's how <laughs> this good, works. I'm I good, say, what's it. up? You respond. I'm good, man. Good morning, everybody. Skitter pal, meow, meow. Doing very well. What about y'all? Oh, oh he, he, he fucking said it again. I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a slang word that was just created for shits and giggles, and I'm going to trademark that shit. So leave it be. I'll <laughs> You can go ahead and trademark that. Good luck on anybody else using it so that you can get made. I don't know if that's a uh, I don't know if that's a Gene Simmons winner or not. <laughs> I had Gene Simmons can screw off since he said rock and roll's dead. Fuck him. Hey, well, you know what? He did have the foresight to uh, trademark OJ, so that companies cannot advertise orange juices OJ. He he owes the trademark on that now. So anytime somebody says OJ. Like I have four times, he gets paid. Wow. So, all right, we uh, briefly talked about where we're from in the little intro we did last week to uh, cut short the uh, uh, rock talk, Big Bushy's rock talk. It wasn't going anywhere anyway. I I hate doing reviews all the time, so I was only doing it once a month. I really wasn't finding time. Um, let's go around the table. Sid, what are you doing? What's going on? Sin City, Las Vegas, for those who don't know, man. Uh, just kicking and been hanging, man. Uh, did uh, some daughter daddy time this weekend with my little munchie and uh, had a discussion about trying to get her into a guitar, dude. She was wailing on my six stream, man. Uh, Saturday afternoon in the garage. So I might be on something here, man. And uh, she heard a little concert that we were doing. And uh, found out one of the bands, man, we were checking out, the Anchor. She didn't realize it was a, a female-fronted metalcore band. And my daughter dug the hell out that shit. So, I might be on something with her on that one. So, that's pretty much how my weekend went. Nice, nice. Mountain Man, what is up? What's going on? Oh, same shit, different day. Run to death. Basically, just kicking back, chilling. Uh, been running around with a little wifey and little man over here who's a little above five months old now, so staying busy with that, practically. <laughs> yeah, I bet, man. I, uh, I, do, I don't miss babies. Uh, my girlfriend's always like, oh, look at the baby, and I'm like, fuck them. I, I, I don't miss babies at all. My week has been insane. Uh, I, I had to come to a decision, uh, this week, um, the night foreman on my half of the week has decided he wants to come to days. He has one year more time in service than I do. Now, I've always been told that uh, there's no bumping um, from shift to shift at my job. However, they are strongly considering bumping me to the overnight hours. I have an 11-year-old little girl, as a lot of people know that listened to my podcast previously or listened to me on the radio. I cannot leave an 11-year-old child home alone all night long it's just me and her here um social services would take my kid and i'm pretty uh i'm disrespected and infuriated that they even are considering making the move 
And I was pissed off with the slap of fate where they said that, um, well, you know, if you couldn't move to that shift as a foreman, we could find another job for you, which means um, you're going to take a $6 an hour pay cut. Uh, I'm not. I'm actually, after we record this episode, I'm going to go and drop an application for a management training program somewhere else. And um, that'll pay twice what I'm making. Um, even if I can't get their store manager gig, uh, there's a good shot of me being able to get into the, um, like a shift manager type of uh, job. And that still pays $2 an hour more than I'm making now. So I'm looking at changing careers when I didn't want to even had to shave my beard off. Yes, Bushy is clean shaven right now. To make sure <laughs> I can oh, ah, hey, do what you gotta do. It it wasn't my choice, um, but it's for ladies, so that's what it's all about. Right, right. He's got a whole smooth look going on, man. Clean cut, everything. I'm like, damn, I mean, not that your Bushy beard wasn't clean cut before. I'm just saying that just baby face now man it's baby face like holy crap oh dude let me, let, let, wait 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 let me tell you this do you know the reason the last time before he grew it long this time the only reason why he shaved the beard what was that yeah, just because you got drunk one night and you decided oh hell i wonder what i'd look like clean shaved again i remember the story when you called me and told me and i said what the hell did you do yeah, you that said was... that you said the next day after you had shaved, you regret it. Lady come home from a weekend to being over at Grandma's, I believe it was. You said uh, every single time you holler lady at her, and she come run through the door and said, Daddy, and literally stopped in her tracks, slid like a baseball player, just about it, looking at you, and turned around and walked away. Walked away. The beard out. Walked away and stranger dangered me. <laughs> yeah, she pointed at me, stranger danger, walked off. I couldn't believe it. She was um, she was prepared this time. I told her it was happening. So when she came home, because uh, again, it happened on a weekend when she was gone. I did it Friday night. She came home and she just looked at me and says, ugh. And you know, that it is what it is. Um, she seems to forget that I wasn't always bearded. Uh, my girlfriend, however, loves it. Absolutely loves it. I think I got laid more this weekend than I have in the last couple weeks. If, <laughs> if I if I had to title this, I would steal from Poison from their live record and call it Swallow This Live. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking in my head. I don't know if that's a good thing that you got more or if that just means that your woman sat there and decided to clean off the dust wipes that you had growing down there. <laughs> Woo! Ouch! God damn! <laughs> hey, hey, hey! It's been a while for me, so I already got cobwebs, not dust webs. Mine's cobwebs. It's no, no. It's, it means because we we're, we're still in that newlywed phase, so to speak. You know, we've only been together a little over two years, and it's like an all the time thing. But she hated the beard, loves the fact that it's gone, and made it well known. You know, part of me was like, well, well shit, maybe I should have thought of this ahead of time. <laughs> but um. We know we've known each other for a, for a while. You guys have known each other. You know, you uh, Sid and Mountain Man have known each other longer than I've known them. You guys remember how all that came about? Because I'm having a hard time remembering when I first met Sid, but I do remember how I met uh, uh, Mountain Man. We called him Dub. I, I remember it pretty plainly. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I was going to say, I could start that off. My little scrawny ass was 
Looking for people to mod with on Modern Warfare 2 and somehow I came up on Dub and Fever Band and they basically were asking me, hey, you know, why don't you try playing the game straight lace? But at that time, I was running up with an box connection from, I don't even know what company, they don't even last anymore, Clearwire, I think that's the name of their company. And uh, he basically got me into it, you know, it's like, you know, we're recruiting for a clan, you know, of gamers that play straight ace, no hacking or modding, and all the axes, you know, good time or whatever. Uh, he mentioned something about a meeting, I attended that meeting, I think that's where I met you at, there, Bushy, and uh, that's pretty much where I basically got to meet the two of you, but I knew Dub Party maybe only a week to maybe two weeks before I met you. Actually, it was about a month. But month that we were playing with each other, but it, yeah, you were you're pretty close, and it was two to three weeks before the meeting. Yeah, um, and actually, one thing you forgot to mention: this was six years ago. On right, PS3, right. on Modern Warfare Two, when PS3 was being so modded, it was just ridiculous. It was, it was, and I remember um, I I ended up I did not have a bike at that time, and I ended up in a. Uh, in a, in a room, in a lobby, and a dub was in there. Um, I don't remember who else, but I do remember uh, remember Southern Boy being in there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Dub and Southern Boy were talking back and forth. Uh, it wasn't wasn't Southern Boy down there in uh, in North Carolina as well. Yep. All right, yeah, because I remember him saying that he was uh, he was coming up to to New York, and of course Mountain Man, you know, going by his uh, his uh, gamer tag. You know, Dubber Bonholio, he says, uh, why the hell would you want to do that? And that's what I was thinking as I'm playing along listening to these fuckers, you know. And this kid says, um, well, you go where the army sends you. I was like, oh, shit. So I immediately messaged Southern Boy because I was living right here. Watertown, New York is where he was coming to for drum. And then from there, it just kind of grew into I was playing with him and playing with him. And then Dub asked me to join up and I, you know, stuck it out through uh, all the different changes. The funny a lot, part of changes, so, a lot, a lot of oh, changes. Oh no! We had. Oh yeah, yeah. Clan drama, fucking name changes, clan changes. There's everything that comes with gamers. You guys suck. <laughs> you guys, you're the one that was Warmonger '75. Don't sit there and tell us we suck. I know. I was. I enjoyed it. I haven't actually played a video game in months and months. I just don't have time anymore. And I haven't upgraded to the 4 yet. God knows when that'll happen because I upgraded to a 4. Duh. <laughs> once, again, once I went from the Dodge to the 4, that acquired a payment. Well, so, um, wait, you I, do I, know I don't what, see that 4 coming. Dollar, right? Oh, please, please tell me what, what, what your country ass thinks they are. Oh, uh, what Ford stands for is found on road dead back when uh -huh. returns on foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard all that. She's a sexy fucking truck, though, I tell you what. Granny Clyde over here said fix or repair daily. Yeah. I don't know. It's in pretty good shape, and I know my Dodge is about to cost me 5000 on top of the 2000 that I just dropped into the son of a bitch. So I'm uh, definitely happy with the choice I made. It's just a little more costly than I thought it was going to be. Well, dude, I can't say anything. I, I, I give everybody shit for vehicles. I've owned Fords. I've owned Chevys. I've owned Pontiacs. 
yeah, a vehicle's a vehicle when that's all you can afford. It doesn't really matter what brand it is. It, it, and it's hilarious people saying, oh, Fords are better, Chevys are better, this and that. It's a vehicle. Uh, who gives a uh, flying flip which one's better or which one's not? As long as you're being able to get to point A to point B to work to provide for your family, everybody else can just shut the hell up. I half-ass agree. When I went truck shopping last year, that's what pisses me off. I only had my truck a little over a year. Uh, what I wanted was a Ford, because uh, uh, F-150 has always been my you know, my truck of choice. I've just never had F-150 money. Um, and I wanted to avoid the payment, so I went ahead and bought you know off the side of the road, which is how I ended up in that Dodge Ram. It was a decent truck. I got a year and a half out of it before it shit the bed on me. Um, but I had the truck I wanted. I could have already been a year and a half to get a payment, so I'm about to make that first payment this Wednesday. Ouch. So, um, when we discussed doing this, you know, we, we said we were going to talk about all kinds of topics. We never knew what was going on. I've kind of uh, pimped this out as a male version of The View, simply because we're not going to have the same content on every week, which I'm really excited about. I've guessed it on podcasts, and I enjoy doing it. Um, you know, where we're reviewing an album. I've done the Terrence Reardon and Friends show. I've done, you know, the Freeform Rock podcast before. I've done the Rock and Battle Combat podcast. I've enjoyed doing them. I don't always want to do record reviews. Now, having said that, Mountain Man says, well, since we're transitioning from your show to this one, let's do a record review, you son of a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> At least it's a record we all agree on, we all kind of met up on, and all three of us has actually seen live. So, yep. shut up. That is true, that is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell, even Lady saw them live. I took her last year to see them. Um, so, you know, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this a little bit. Uh, the album, because we gave Dub the choice, um, me and Sid had actually talked the night before, Dub wasn't with us, uh, you know, Mountain Man was, you know, doing whatever the Mountain Man does, probably fucking sheep or something, and we had decided that we were just to... jealous. I am jealous, they got hairy nuts, it's awesome. <laughs> 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 we, we were talking uh, the, uh, Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals, which... I still say we should do it at a later date, not next week. I'd, I'd rather not do a review next week, but you know we'll decide that later as well. But uh, then we decided, me and uh, Sid, you guys will know Sid as uh, Sato, DJ Sato, uh, from the same radio station that he and I work for. We've got a little more experience being on the mic, hitting it and talking about things. So we said, you know what, let's let Dub have his choice. On, uh, and the Mountain Man came up with a, with a pretty good choice. Um, it's funny because it's an album that I'm not well-versed in. I'm well-versed in half of it. And uh, the rest of it, I had to go back and listen and, and grab notes and such because I, I don't listen to the whole thing as, as, you know, as a rule. But about man said, look, let's do Slipknot 5, the gray chapter. Now, uh, not a bad choice. You know, this release in North America here uh, October 1st, 2014. Um, it was the first uh, studio album in six years and the first not to feature the founding bassist Paul Gray and longtime drummer uh, Joey Jordison. Um, Gray died in 2010. And, yep. and the, the title of the album is actually a reference to his name. So um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how you know we discovered Slipknot. You, you talk about how you discovered this album, if you like. Uh, but um, 
talk about how we discovered the band in general. Uh, Mountain Man, you picked the album, so how'd you discover these guys? Well, I can tell you exactly the day. I can't say the date, but I can remember the day like it was yesterday because when I got home, I got my ass whooped because I was listening to them. But anyway, I can remember that part plainly. I was in sixth grade, to be honest, and yes, I'm going to be telling my age because I'm the youngest one out of you two, out of the three of us, you two old bitches. But anyway, uh, I was in sixth grade and I actually uh, got put in ISS for, I think it was fighting or something like that. And uh, uh, yeah, it was for fighting because this kid, I ain't going to mention no names, decided, oh, my girlfriend's uh, talking back to me. I'm going to slap her, so I co-cocked the hell out of it. Uh, anyway. Seems justified to me. Exactly, exactly. That, you'll come to learn that when I grew up, any story that I tell, 90% of them is justified, and my mother and father stood up for me a bunch in school, thank the Lord. Which they raised me right. I give both my mom and daddy credit. God love you, daddy. I know you're in heaven, but either way, I was in ISS. Uh, the ISS teacher was Miss Bird. I remember her name plainly because me and her knew each other without knew each other on a first name basis. Nice. <laughs> I, I was I was a regular in ISS. Bob <laughs> <laughs> Man had his old desk at the in school suspension room. Actually, yes, my name was even put on the side of it, etched in there by the teacher, which was the funny part. Anyway, nice. Um. We, uh, when you done ISS up here in the mountains, uh, after all the students had lunch and everything, everybody that was in ISS had to go clean up the cafeteria. Now, it wasn't, you had to go back and do dishes, stuff like that. You wiped down all the tables, uh, swept and mopped the floors, and in our cafeteria, we had is like a little amphitheater. It had a stage, uh, over in the corner that you could, uh, where plays and stuff would go on. Well... I got the duty of going up there and cleaning, and I don't know whose copy of the CD it was, but I went up there to clean and uh, was sweeping the floor, and Slipknot's uh, first album, self-titled, their debut album from 1999, a whole CD of the parental advisory version, was sitting up there up under a curtain. So I swept it out everything, and the rule uh, is you turn it in, uh, uh, if no one claims it, you'll get it at the end of the day. Well, no, knowing my luck with a band named Slipknot that I never heard of, and looking at the cover with a bunch of masks, yeah, the principal wasn't going to give me that back. So I just went ahead and took it. <laughs> so pretty simple to the point. Went home, started listening to it, and fell absolutely in love. That day, I become a maggot through and through, as they call their fans. And later on, I'm sure we'll get into why they call their fans maggots. But the funny part, towards the end of the day, the song Surfacing was playing in my room. And my dad walked by, and I, I tried to keep it turned down where I could understand the words and hear the music because if you listen to heavy metal you want to crank it up and listen as loud but surfacing is not exactly a song you want your parents to hear <laughs> well dad walked by and i kept it turned down then all of a sudden i turned up surfacing just a little bit made the mistake 
and all of a sudden I see uh, uh, my door just barely open and my little five foot five mom with her head stuck through the door staring at me on the chorus part where it's saying fuck it all, fuck this world, fuck everything you stand for. Yeah, and yeah. It went from her staring at me to T-Mortal Bitch, you're fixing to die, little boy. (laughs) (laughs) So she comes in, busts my ass, asks me where I got the CD. Like a dumb little youngin, I lie to her, tell her one of my buddies gave it to me. She keeps the CD, still I know what she done with it, she threw it away. But I was like, Mom, can I have my CD back for weeks? No, you didn't tell me it when your friends let you borrow something, and especially something that sings about that. So that was the, actually the first time I heard Slipknot and got my ass busted all in the same day. So it was it was a good time. It was very, very yeah. good. <laughs> Sounds fucking traumatizing. Traumatizing, <laughs> sixth grade. Holy crap. Jeez, I know, sixth grade, right? Sid, what about right. you, man? Slipknot. The funny thing is, Slipknot got their big break out here at Gameworks at a Battle of the Bands festival. I want to say it was 96, because I believe Slipknot didn't come out with their debut album until 97. And uh, they were at Gameworks, and uh, I had a little hottie back then and was like, Hey, she was like, Joe, can we go to this little Battle of the Bands concert? I'm like, man, who the hell is playing? And she's like, oh, just a bunch of no-names and these guys from Iowa called Slipknot. I'm like... Nah, I was like, fuck it, let's go. Because at that time, she was into typo negative and other bands, but she wanted to really check out Slipknot. We get to this place. This place is two, maybe three stories at most tall. Packed wall to wall to wall to wall to wall. And we got there right as Slipknot was getting on. Like, we missed all the other acts. She wasn't even caring about that. And uh, they came on. Corey came out and just did this huge intro for the band. And then... I want to say literally they had their demo stuff and then after their demo stuff they just did covers for about a good hour and a half dude freaking totally rocked it bro and after that they got their record label and uh, after the record label they just blew up man then came leaders of the maggots if you look at it that's my meaning of slipped out the first time so right nice nice yeah mine was uh uh, really accidental. Um, I used to belong to Columbia House, uh, you know, CD club. And uh, you know how you would get the, the card every month that says, if you don't return this, the selection of the month will be sent to you. Well, I didn't get the card sent back. So I got home from work one day. And um, lo and behold, I got a package in the mail. Opened it up and it was a Slipknot debut. And I was like, well, fuck. I don't know what this is. Cover's kind of interesting. Look on the back, and you're looking at all these titles of songs, and it was—I was kind of intrigued, but I still wasn't at that point where I was like, "Hey, well, yeah, you know, this might be cool. Let me check it out." It was more of in passing. I had nothing else to listen to that day because I'd heard it all a thousand times before. Because that's how I do things. I tend to listen to stuff that I grew up on. But I put it in, and oh, six. Man. Oh yeah, man, sick plays. And uh, at that point, because I didn't listen to any death metal, um, I, I knew a little bit of thrash. Most of my stuff's hair metal that I like. You know, hard rock, classic rock, things of that nature. Oh, I was floored, floored by how heavy it was. It was so brutal. And then you hear that part from, uh, you know, I think it was uh, uh, Scarface where he says, Here comes the pain! 
and it seemed like it kicked into double overdrive and it already started heavy as shit. That's how I ended up getting into Slipknot. I'm like, holy cow, these guys are friggin' insane. I'm going to give them a chance. I've been kind of listening to them off and on ever since. I wouldn't call myself a huge fan. I do have all their albums, but um, I couldn't tell you what songs are on one from the other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mountain, uh, Mountain Man okay. apparently is an encyclopedia for Slipknot. So if anybody's listening to this podcast, make sure you hit up Mountain Man now on Facebook, man. Uh, I'm sure he'll make a page, and if you want to know anything about Slipknot, he'll be able to tell you. Well, I mean, that was, like I said before, one of the first heavy metal bands I got into for sure. But as for, like, having meaningful impact, yeah, Slipknot is my number one band. I'm not obsessed, like, with Slipknot. I love their music. I love their artistry. I love everything that they contribute. But I can't tell you how old any of the band members are or anything like that. I'm not so obsessed like a lot of fans. There are fans like that, but not me. I'm more about the music and the art concept of them than anything else. Nice, nice. So you're not like me with Kiss, who's a complete nerd. I can tell you how long Gene's tongue is and how long... Well, never mind. That's another story for another time. Yeah, I'm not not like you that has the little uh, impersonation dolls of them that you play with every night before you go to bed. Hey, shut up. They put on a good show every single night. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love Kiss. I'm like you, Nate. I grew up on classic rock, believe it or not. And I'm I'm actually can't wait to tell this story a little later. But uh, I love Kiss. Love all their music. My favorite song would have to be, or favorite album would have to be Destroyer. I mean, uh, that's when I first got introduced to Kiss. Nice, nice. I mean, don't get me wrong, I respect Ace Freely, every single one of them, uh, but after what Gene Simmons said a little bit while back at Rock and Roll is Dead, I'm sorry, I, I, that's the only aspect I lost respect for the man, but other but, than you know what, you, have to, you need to go back and research that and read that article, what he's saying actually makes a lot of sense, um, and we're not going to get into that here and now. We're, maybe sometime we'll do a Kiss uh, Kiss episode. Uh, those always do well, by the way. People love Kiss episodes, just so oh, you guys yes. know. Sure. But um, we can research that, and uh, maybe if we come back and do a Kiss episode at some time, you can see exactly what it was he was saying, because it was actually making sense. Now, the Grey Chapter. Decent album. What was this? Uh, what was this? Fifth album, sixth album? I don't fucking know. Uh, actual based album, it's number yeah. seven, but yeah. to follow like actual recording albums, it's number five. Yeah, fifth studio album, absolutely. All right, so um, now for this one, I, I I got into this album strictly for the music video or because of the music video for The Devil and I. Um, I had heard the song and I was a little on the fence with it. I wasn't sure, ah, oh, boys, had... To me, it had more of a stone sour feel, and that's not a bad thing to me. I love stone sour. I actually prefer them to uh, Slipknot, but it didn't seem like it had that edge. Then I saw the video. It completely changed my whole outlook on the song, and that's what led me to buy the album. What, what got you guys into this uh, into this album in particular? Was it just completism, where you had to have it because you have everything else, or, or was there something more? After you, uh, Sim. 
actually just bought it, man, just to have it technically to add to a collection. That's it. Nice. Yep. That, that's pretty much it for me on that. Nice. Um, nice. Well, for me, I mean, I, I, I'm like you, Nate. When I when I was sitting in the house and got a thing on YouTube about their video being posted for uh, the Devil and I, it wasn't that I had to have it. I mean, Slipknot's variated through each album, but after, like you said, seeing the video and listening to the song, it, it did have a little bit of a stone sour feel on the slow Morlonic uh, aspect of it. But like you, the video completely changed and I changed the outlook of it. And I pretty much was like, okay, I, I need to check this out and just see because like with certain other albums, I love the first one, love the second one. Third album is okay. Uh, volume three, pretty good album. Uh, uh, All Hope is Gone. I really was not a fan except for a couple of songs. This one, yeah. After hearing the songs and stuff, I completely fell in love with them because of the meat of, of the album and each song. So yeah, that's pretty much what intrigued me on it was was the entire meaning of it. All right. Well, I'll steady. Well, let's get into this review. And the way we do this is uh, we go track by track. We are not doing the deluxe version. We are going to be reviewing the 14 songs off the actual studio album, not the deluxe release. So there's two we're not going to be talking about. Um, Doug, take it, man. XIX or 19 for those of us that know how to read Roman numerals. Right. Well, for for 19, uh, we'll just go ahead and say 19 because for some reason the band, if, you, if you've looked up anything about it, uh, they pronounce it XX. I don't know why. I haven't been able to fully figure that out. But I think, if you honestly think about it, and a lot of people don't realize, did you know when the album came out? That was 19 years that Slipknot has been together total. When they originally started, like Sin said, with their demos and stuff, with their EP, to now, it's been 19 years. So I think that kind of had a little bit of a... a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, little bit of a reasoning as to why they put the 19 in there, but they don't look at it. I mean, Slipknot's never, never been straightforward with number uh, Roman numeral stuff and stuff like. They try to be a little bit uh, secretive about certain things to get their fans to figure it out. Sure. But as uh, but as for the actual song, and I mean, if you follow through, just like on the Iowa album, 515. 515 is the area code where they lived in Iowa. So Paul Gray originally was the one that came up with that to basically be able to uh, kind of throw it in there. And I think that's another reason why they use the 19th year Roman numeral XIX. But as for the song that I basically took from it, I mean, it's it's short easy simple it's about basically someone very close to you a die i mean and having to deal with it and uh the way they were basically talking about it is just like whenever they get up on stage and uh, basically you're pushing through to make it through everything with their bassist paul gray passing away uh 19 in my opinion is a tribute to him for them just to be able to get on stage and play because I couldn't imagine what what was it when he passed away 2010, so that was seven years ago. Yes, sir. I mean, 
I mean, good Lord, having to go seven years without one of your founding members to be able to, to get on stage and play without them and have to bring in a new bass player, I, that'd be kind of hard. I can kind of understand that. So, I mean, that's that's basically what I took from it was their tri uh, tribute to Paul Gray to be able to before each each show to not only pay tribute to them but for them to feel good about their sales to be able to get on stage and play nice nice um i don't i don't know that that's what i had taken from it but when you put it in that context that makes uh, perfect sense the way i look at this song is um you know it's kind of a slow tempo intro um it's not really bad at all hated the one thing i do dig is that message that um i think you're really hitting on here about not letting the world break you down you know and um and I, you know, looking back on it now with that information, I think you could be right. You know, hey, uh, we lost our guy. We're going to try to put another album out. And, um, you know, fuck you. You're not going to stand on my neck. I'm going to stand back up and go ahead and do it. I think it could have been a heavier tune for an opening track. Because when you clock it in at three and a half minutes or so, I, I need a little something more there. And then it also feels like it just kind of ends abruptly. Now, um, when I was listening to it, I didn't put the CD in because I was too lazy to go out to my truck and grab it. So uh, I was listening to it from my hard drive. And um, it could be an intro towards the next song's Harcastrophe. I don't know. For me, it just kind of ended abruptly, but I do love that message that it gave. Uh, Sid, what do you think, man? The way I look at it and the way I took the song was a, it was an unfamiliar style first of all portrayed here because like you said it starts off slow using horns and keyboards which we're not accustomed to and then you know go you got your drums you got your percussions Corey's uh, voice slowly welcomes you to the gray chapter the way I look at it um, like I said it's not something that people would see off their like traditional first two albums like Slipknot and no. Iowa but this right here definitely is a uh, I would say a different approach onto what they're trying to basically experiment like because right now there's a lot of rumors that that was going to be their last album is what I'm hearing because uh, right now yeah uh, Corey's got a lot of projects going so I don't know yet but in my opinion as a viewer and as a buyer for someone who wants to check this song out I'd give it a five horn rating even though it's not a traditional Slipknot song. The meeting is very strong there, and it's something totally different, man. In my opinion, yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I want to ask you guys before we let Sin take the next track. To me, I hear a lot of Stone Knot or Slip Sour going on in this album. Is that what makes this so diverse and unique as far as a Slipknot album goes? Because you could really feel, to me, that Corey Taylor is trying to bring that other sound that he likes to play. Because uh. Jed was sitting here listening to the album with me this morning, and she was saying, yeah, I like that song. Yeah, I like that song. You know, yeah, I don't mind that one. No, that's horrible. But she likes his voice. She's like, he does have a nice voice, but of course he'll fuck it up for her by starting to scream. But isn't that kind of, <laughs> isn't that that kind of that stone sour dichotomy where he does more singing vocally than than the yelling thing i get a lot of that in this album or is that just me am i on dog food no you're not on dog food i get i get that too well yeah i mean to a basis i mean slipknot i mean is always being the type of band that doesn't doesn't only try to uh 
describe themselves as a screamo band or anything like that. Corey sure, Taylor, yeah. He has admitted in the past he that's why he went to Stone Sour was so he could do more melodic uh, attributes to his artistry uh, through him being able to sing. Nice. I think with the, with the aspect of him with them losing Paul plus Joey Jordison, I mean we haven't even mentioned that but once so far, and. Joey Jordison also was a founding member of Slipknot as well sure. as Paul Gray. They were the two original starters, and then they brought in Clown, Sean Crahan. But um, to actually be, I mean, with the fact of losing two members, I, I think, yes, definitely. They put in a whole lot more melodic aspects, one in death and two losing another brother in arms, which basically... For what I've been hearing, are still in fights over, but it has been also said Joey Jordison is more than willing to come back to the band recently. Right. So I mean, I didn't yeah, that. but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it is more melodic, like Stone Sour, plus with attribute and a mix of spice of Slipknot. So absolutely. All right, good. I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. All right, track two, Sarcastrophe. Sin, you're up. Well, so Cassifree, let's see, you got to take songs about, oh, just a little hairs over five minutes, man. And what I took from it is it starts off similar to 19, but damn, man, it just opens up a whole can of worms, man, because we go from what we have accustomed to hearing from Slipknot, talking to heavy screaming yelling from them, and then that hard, healing, no-nonsense style, man, from percussions and drums on it. Unfortunately the drums was in my opinion kind of sloppish and didn't sound too clean or technical like some of their other tracks that i've grown accustomed to still all in sense man from a viewer standpoint man i would say it's a decent song uh mountain man's gonna hate me for this one literally i gave it only a three and a half point rating on, on song execution like all in all vocals and music Oh shit! Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> no, I, I ain't gonna get mad at you for that. Lord, have everybody's uh, an opinion's like an asshole. Everybody's got one. I ain't gonna get mad or kicked at you for something like that. Um, uh, Nate, after you. Oh no, sir, you're up. Oh damn, of course. Um, I, I kind of agree with seeing a little bit. I mean, the new drummer, he's an awesome drummer. Uh, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he is uh, the son of Bruce Springsteen's drummer, uh, Weinberg. Uh, good drummer guy, pretty decent person, uh, musically, that I've been able to tell. The drums are a little sloppy. I think he's trying a little too hard to kind of be like Joey, being able to play the same riffs and stuff. But... I mean, as for uh, Clown and uh, Chris Finn being on percussion, their drums is always on key. I, I mean, no matter what, them being able to fill in with nine other people like that, yeah, it's it's a pretty good song. The back drums are a little bit hard to, to comprehend to an extent. I gave it a 4, a 4.0. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to uh, dish you on that, uh, Sin. But for what I got from the song, basically, and like you said a minute ago, Nate, that was actually one thing. It, it is an intro into Scar Tastrophe, basically going into it because, I mean, listening to lyric-wise, it's basically the band with a war cry is what I'm kind of taking from it that um, uh, 
you uh, you see us, you hear us, and we uh, and, uh, not to be weird, but changing the downhill uh, towards doubters and the naysayers and the people that might have thought that the band was down and out. Um, basically, them saying, "Nope, guess what, uh, uh, fuckers." Hate to tell you, we're not down and out. We feel good about being able to do this without our bass player, Paul Gray, and honoring him. And we're going to run right over him just like we always have. That's that's what I basically got from the song, the way they were putting it. Nice, nice. Um, now, see, I'm not that deeply vested in Slipknot, so uh, I don't tend to listen lyrically like I should. Um, I, di- I listen more sonically. Uh I just try to, you know, how does the vocal sound compared, you know, with the music and how does all that integrate? Uh, For me, the intro to this particular song, it really reminded me of The Cure. Uh, I know that might sound crazy, but with that little clean guitar notes going, it uh, it really sounded like something that, uh, you know, Robert Smith wrote back in like 87 or 88. It could almost have been just like heaven, you know, but till those heavy guitars kick in. And, and man, once it does, the tune just fucking rips. And I love what he's sitting there going crazy. We are cow. This shit's just amazing. And, and you know, this is this is gonna be strange coming from me. I even dig that DJ record scratching shit they're doing at the end. You know, right. I think it's a good tune. It's not something I would skip when I'm listening to the album. It's, it's good solid tune. Right. Well, and see, this is one thing a lot of people is probably going to look at us and say, oh, you have this opinion, that. It's an album review. Not everybody's going to be as in-depth, like you said. I mean, Nate's more, like he said, listener. Sin is a little bit more into the just the music aspect instead of lyrics. I'm into basically all of it when it comes to that band. Now, if we switch to another one, yeah, it'll probably switch roles. I'll probably be like Nate, the execution, all that stuff. But, I mean, uh, Slipknot's impacted me to a point, basically helping me through hard times, so that's why I think I look into it a little more in-depth. But, uh, but yeah, dude, definitely on uh, being able to... Uh, uh, getting tongue-tied here. But did you know on this album, out of all the rest of them, that Chris Finn, uh, the backing vocalist, is actually on this album instead of it being Corey's... Uh, voice layered in like all the rest no i was not aware of that because that was one of the most impressive things from a later song is the fact that uh <laughs> I, I like the singing with the uh the screaming we'll get to that when that particular song comes up all right uh i'm gonna take the third one aov i think it's got a brutal start it's got some really really killer drums Funny thing is, though, I actually prefer that little breakdown just before it goes to that stone sour sound. I actually prefer that whole little part. It starts, gives you a nice little groove. You get into that stone sour feel, that stone sour vocal delivery. I prefer that as opposed to the rest of the song. Um, the real slow part, that, you know, happens towards the end of it. That that rules to me. Um, I can take or leave this song. Okay, uh, Sid, what do you think, brother? AOV or other known, also known as approaching original violence, in my opinion, Slipknot, Slipknot's uh, attempt to return back to its roots as the previous first two albums that they did. Corey's vocals, man, was tethered here a little bit of range from singing and aggression. 
uh, as far as playing as the band, this is a fabulous track, man, or cut. Not great, but it's still fabulous in my attempt, you know, to teach the younger fans of basically what Slipknot was, what they once were, and what they're either trying to be or go out with a bang with them. And me, personally, I gave it about a four on the scale. So, over to you, Mountain Man, what you think? <laughs> well, you took part of mine by actually describing what the name originally is, which props. I, I thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that 100%. They kind of backtracked uh, to try to bring back their original sound from, uh, I'll give an example, uh, Eyeless from the first album. The hardcore hits you in the face, plus Morlonic being able to uh, coincide with each other. Um, most definitely, but for the meaning of the song that uh, I took from it, and I know we're doing a little uh, review, but I mean, hell, if y'all get something from it that you want to say, please do. But uh, approaching original violence, I mean, if you honestly think about it from a standpoint from for the band and what I've took, I mean, it's basically looking at each other and dealing with a lot of issues that they had, because I mean, through the years, I mean, even after the second album, it was questioned whether Slipknot was even going to be coming back anyway. So, uh, them being able to deal with a lot of issues and bury the hatchet, I think, was kind of what this song was talking about to an extent. Being able to be like, hey, let's fix this together for our uh, friend Paul. Bury the hatchets and become one again like we were on the very first album and when we first started. And basically tell this world, go to hell, you ain't going to kill us as easy as you want to. Wow, outstanding. And yeah, I knew it was approaching original violence, but I couldn't think of it right then. Look, I'm doing this shit sober. You fuckers leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you're the one that called us this early in the morning. I know we're going to post this later, but... And said, hey, bitches, let's get this thing show on the road. If we'd have done it at our original time... I still don't think you'd have been drunk enough to be able to pull it off like you normally did. So, well, see, uh, here's a little here's a little disclaimer. I haven't uh, I haven't been drunk. That's a lie. I drank Saturday night with my woman when we went out to the bar to go see some local bands. Barring that, I hadn't been drunk in four weeks. I haven't been drinking. Wow! Excellent, brother. I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If I can quit smoking now, we've really accomplished something. Now, track number four. This one goes to the mountain man with the master plan. <laughs> fucker. That fucker ain't got a plan if his life depended on it. The devil and I, what do you think about that mountain man? Well, I do give you credit there. At least you know me. I'm on the fly, uh, daredevilish type person. You're exactly right. I have no damn plan at all. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Um, I'm just fucking winging it. <laughs> Well, I've, I've wrote notes here to keep up, but actually, like, having script, yeah, screw y'all, it ain't gonna happen. Anyway, The Devil and I, I the first part of the song, the guitar riffs, I mean, catching up into it, is excellent. Jim, uh, James Root, the lead guitarist, Slipknot, killed it, in my opinion, on guitars on this. He, him alone, actually come up with every single concept of the guitar playing on this album. And like he has stated before, Paul Gray was the type of person that would sit in his garage of his house and sit there and play one bar of the bass to see how it sounded. If I, if he pulls it down, how's it sound? If he wings it up. Paul Gray was one of them sticklers. 
And Jim Roots actually stated that he sees that Paul Gray worked with him, not only on this album, but especially on this song, because it was the first time ever he had took the time and see it and done what Paul did, trying to be able to figure out different different sounds and stuff from the guitar. Um, but basically, uh, The Devil and I, it's, it's representative not only to the band, but for everybody in the world. It's, it, it represents the war inside of everybody individually. I mean, anger, with anger, guilt, depression, whatever the case may be. I mean, dealing with whatever's going on and being able to say, you know what, everybody saw me in this bad state of mind. And I hate to tell you, but you all might, might want to call me a devil but I'm not your devil anymore to accuse and ridicule. That's basically the meaning of the song that I took from it. But as for actually having like uh, the sound and stuff, in my honest opinion, drums, guitar, bass, whole nine yards, uh, 100% perfect. I give the song melodically and originally from Slipknot, I give it five horns, through and through. Oh, you know what? I, uh, I tend to agree with everything you just said um it is my favorite track on this album uh that groove you know after he does that little then he just i love that fucking groove i love the blistering drums behind it um i love how uh for the verses you know it slows right down and it lets it lets Corey deliver almost an eerie kind of vocal so that he could build back up into that range of step inside. That's an amazing, amazing song. Um, those lyrics are killer, and I, and I agree. It's like, yeah, you see this devil, but I'm not your devil anymore. You know, and I, I totally agree with that statement. Musically, it's just a sonic assault on the senses all around. It's perfect, I agree. I love it, love it, love it. I don't think they've done a better song before. I don't know if they'll ever do a better one than this one. I truly, truly love this song. What do you say, Sam? Wow, then you guys are really going to hate this Flatlander City Boy. Me, I got mixed reviews on this song because it starts off promising, but then it just drops in aggression to something like Vermilion Part 2. Uh, the original Vermillion Part 2, as many people know on this original first album, uh, they have two songs on that one, the original Vermillion and then Vermillion Part 2. This sounded like Vermillion Part 2, which is kind of weird, man, but uh, I mean, for a lot of the music, man, like lyric-wise, it was good. You go from hard to mellow, I mean, their range is tested as a band as a whole. I mean, because you go from, like, total aggression to melodic, you know, where it drops down and then just kicks right back in. I don't know if they were in the race when they did this song or not, in my opinion. You guys, like I said, are going to hate me for this, but I only gave it three and a half horns. And there's a reason, though. There's a reason. And a lot of people don't know this, man. But uh, out here, we only have one rock station. And let me just say like this, man. The FM station out here that plays rock... When a new track comes out, whether it's from Slip, Man uh, Manson, Metallica, they give you the radio-friendly shaft. And when I mean radio-friendly shaft, they'll play that particular cut four times in an hour. That's one every 15 minutes, man. When you hear a song once every 15 minutes, you kind of lose the edge. Now, Mountain Man, on the other hand, from what I'm hearing, 
they don't honor Slipknot where he's out there, like, you know, down south. Which is kind of crazy because I'm sure you, Bushy, up there, you know, upstate, you know, and why. Uh, you have plenty of stations you got up there in your area that actually play the song. But out here with us only having one and getting that radio shaft, it's kind of like, hey, man, like, really, you got to play the song we heard it already, you know, last hour or the last 15 minutes ago. You ain't got to play it again. So, in my opinion, I give it a three and a half. Uh, it could have been four, but to me, it got burned out when it came out. Oh, I could, uh, I could definitely feel that. Uh, up here, Ooh. actually, where I live, um, we have one, you know, rock station. Uh, they they delve into everything from Slipknot down to, um, uh, Christ, you know, classic rock, you know, the doors and things of that nature. Uh, Canada does have the uh, K-Rock thing. We don't, I don't listen to that station much because they had to put their Canadian bands in there. But um, I know what you get because when this song did drop, it was played at least once an hour. Um, and they won't play it any more than once an hour. But uh, yeah, once every hour, two hours, this is my song that I got burned out with, but I don't listen to the radio a lot, so it didn't happen with me. Um, Sid, take Kill Pop. Kill Pop. Now, here's a song that's a tr- not a traditional Slipknot song. I think this was more like a test of the band's talent and the range of skill here. Like, literally, it was possessed. Like, guitar work, percussions, hell, even the DJs getting up on it, man. I think it's metal in every aspect. Uh, with a verse chorus that pace fits perfectly and this cut would be actually my second favorite by far on this whole album in my opinion and yet it only got four and a half which is kind of crazy so but still i honestly think it's a good song man i don't i don't know the meaning like dub or mop man does but uh I'm sure Mountain Man will give us a very detailed uh, review on this song in his opinion. So, <laughs> Mountain Man, take it away, brother. Well, it's pretty much self-explanatory. What is the number one genre that Slipknot hates? Everybody knows this. Exactly. So, I mean, the, t- the title of the song is self-explanatory. They basically tried to mimic a pop song but heavy metal version to rub it in everybody's faces is basically the the conception of that but speaking of like for the band uh for my opinion i mean uh lyrics and everything uh it is about the music industry as a whole because i mean if you think about it uh they where they've been gone so long for six years stuff like that i mean for some strange reason in this world and i still do not understand this day i can understand country music being big i can understand some uh actual original rap on r&b being at the top of the music industry i get those but uh some of this new stuff and this pop stuff i'm sorry i when I was younger, yeah, I had to listen to it because all the good girls in school loved NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and all that stupid shit. But, I mean, it just is just an album that they wanted to mock. I mean, any way you look at it. But it is also, uh, they, they it had a little sense of Paul basically dealing with the love-hate relationship that they had on the business side of uh, the music industry. I mean, Paul Gray basically fought as hard as he could 
against every other music genre whenever he was alive within the band. He'd sit there and tell them, I hate country, I hate rap, I hate hip-hop. Don't, don't even talk to me about it. So, I mean, the, the emphasis of what basically being Paul's uh, standpoint of it, and plus the music industry is what I basically took from it. And then mocking uh, pop music. I mean, that's just basically the easiest way to put that entire thing. Wow, I didn't uh, put nearly as much thought into this. Because I'm not sure how I feel about this fucking song. Um, it's weird. Part of me likes it. Part of me absolutely hates it. I'm kind of okay with the vocals. But when that screaming starts, I don't think it works. I don't, I, I don't, this is one of those few times that I really, really hate Corey Taylor yelling. I'm like, shut the fuck, go back to singing. And the other part that really <laughs> bothers me is this sounds like a fucking Nine Inch Nails ripoff to me. And I hate Nine Inch Nails. Uh, it's funny because while we were listening to this, I was saying this to my girlfriend, you know, to saying this to Miss Jen. And she's like, I like this song, <laughs> but I like Nine Inch Nails. Like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I'm on the fence on this one. I I can't say it's good. I can't say it's bad. I can say I love it when Corey's singing. I hate it when he's doing his yelling part. I I, I don't know. It's I, man. I don't know. I this is one of those that I won't necessarily listen to. I'll go ahead and hit the old skip button when I'm listening to the album. Nothing wrong with that. Now skeptic. That is my second favorite tune on this goddamn album. It just rips all the way through. Chorus is fucking sick. Just a great, to me, classic sounding Slipknot song. This harkens back to the debut album. If you put Skeptic right after Sick, that bitch would just flow beautifully. Absolutely love it. I don't know what the hell it's about. I didn't care. Sonically, it was amazing. Sin. Uh, I'm going to put it like this. The song was actually written in memory of Paul Gray. Uh, it's the only reason, it's not the only reason, but makes this song great. But as you said right there, had this song came out right after Sick, it would have been just straight brutality just being delivered on Paul and fans. The song placement of, of this track on the album is fantastic. Corey's delivery, not only a message for Paul, Paul, or Paul Gray, allows younger and older fans of Slipknot to get, you know, accustomed with Skeptic. This song, like I said, by far brutal in lyrics and music delivery from start to end in the entire 4 minutes and 46 seconds. Believe it or not, like I said, this is one of the few songs that will get a 5 home rating for me on that end. Mountain Man. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, there's there's no way around it. The song was absolutely about Paul, but one thing you forgot, and I don't know if either one of you realized it, but which I'm sure you did, let me rephrase that, you ain't stupid. It wasn't only Corey. The second person singing was Chris Finn. They were going back and forth in between on the uh, part where uh, it's saying uh, 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 hero, martyr, mystery, god, that part on going back and forth. That was Corey and Chris Finn both singing back and forth. It wasn't just Corey. Chris Finn actually has a metal aspect in his voice. I mean, doesn't get a lot of props that he should. He doesn't want to be a lead singer, but he has no problem backing up. But Chris Finn actually on his delivery as well was very, very awesome in my opinion, especially for the words that they use back and forth. Uh, Granny, you might want to put your fingers in your ears because it's that song I was telling you about. Um, 
one one thing also that we haven't mentioned i mean we've been talking about what the band's been saying about their music and our just general review but for any band they basically put music out there for their concept and let their fans interpret it any way they want to and as uh uh nate and joe here know uh unfortunately and this is just a little story and i'm not going to try to stay on it long because Granny Clyde, a.k.a. my mom over here, uh, for almost five years ago, we lost my father, to, unfortunately, to cancer. And uh, from this song, I mean, I respect it on the aspect of the way they done it for Paul, but every word, including the fact no one, because uh, <clears throat> no one will ever see another crazy motherfucker like you, no one will ever know another man as amazing as you, every word lyrically, Especially that statement not only represented Paul out of love, but also, in my opinion, for me, that I took represented my father. Nice, my, nice. My dad was uh, exactly the same way. So, I mean, I take from it out of respect for Paul, but also they describe my father totally to a T. If my mom listened to the song, she'd probably slap me and say, uh, You're crazy. No, that does not talk about your father in her opinion but to me where i strictly mainly listen to heavy metal and rock and classic rock and rock music out of all the songs i've ever heard except for a couple from leonard skinnard and maybe one or two from a couple other bands this song t totally to me describes my father through and through and it it's a hard song for me to describe anymore because I'm going to go into tears because of me thinking about it. Every time I hear the song, I cry. Not only for Paul Gray, but because of what it described. And that's all I can say. Can I just say, uh, can I just say, queef, real quick on the air, man, so that we don't get into this like sad, depressing thing. This is supposed to be funny. But brother, 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 can I just no, say, that's, uh, it was very that's, touching. Very touching. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, I, that, that verse, that, uh, that lyric that you described is actually what I love the most about that song. That's why it's my second favorite on the album. Um, I hadn't, it didn't touch me in a personal way like that, but I think that's a, that's pretty badass. props to your dad. Um, let's move on to number seven. Lech, Leech, Lech, Lech. I don't fucking know. Dove, not man. Not man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having white my eyes here. Anyway, <laughs> going back to this, uh, Lech, to me is is an okay song i mean it wasn't exactly my favorite because i mean at this point uh in the album in my opinion i mean don't get me wrong the whole album in my opinion is good except for a couple of songs i don't love every single one but they're kind of distorting their self now because they're only talking about only grief guilt stuff like that uh and it's it's kind of becoming now in my opinion overbearing so, um, basically, with all this uh, contributing and going into all that, <clears throat> Lich lyrically is distorted to uh, like two different ways, in my opinion. The drums and music's awesome, in my opinion, but the lyrics are kind of back and forth, uh, going over guilt and stuff, and basically just trying to take a look at yourself and beating yourself up constantly. I mean... That's basically what I got out of it through the grief process. But, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I, I half-ass half ass agree with you because to me, I'm like, what the fuck kind of emo 
bullshit. I am not trying to listen to Black Veil Brides. I'm not trying to listen to Black Veil Brides mixed with typo negative. To me, this song is forgettable. It's um, it's annoying. And it's got this little weird keyboard trill in it. Yeah. And I'm sure that's done with the turntables. But it always makes me think my fucking phone is ringing. Every time I hear this goddamn song and that little ring goes in, I'm going to reach for my goddamn cell phone. Who the hell's calling me? Drives me absolutely insane. They could have kept it right off of the record as far as I was concerned. It does nothing for me, you know, in any way, shape, or form. I'm not sure where their head was. I I absolutely hate it. Absolutely exactly. hate it. I, I mean, now the I mean, musically, midway through, wasn't bad. I mean, if they took out the lyrics and just done the song without the keyboards, I think it'd have sounded pretty great. But with it being like you like you said, it being distorted and pushed like four or five different ways. I mean, it is just kind of a hard song to get into. I mean, that that song, I think, personally, was just for the band themselves. And certain people may love the song. I mean, don't don't get bad or anything like that. Uh, uh, but, nobody, nobody gets bad at reviews. Because I'm going to say right now, it fucking sucks. It shouldn't have been on there. That's an album track that should have never been there. Agree. Uh, agree 100%. I mean, yeah, if it had been, been without the cell phone ringing and the lyrics being so distorted, it might have been turned out okay. But uh, it, it, it's a hard song to, to totally follow. Sin? Yeah. Music, brother. Def- definitely filler. Yeah. Lech. Lech. It's Lech. Uh, four minutes and fifty seconds. In my opinion, I can't tell the angle of the song either. I can't tell whether it's about Judith. Who the hell is Judith, first of all? And why is she weeping? And or is it about cannibalism? Either way, I thought technically it was a decent track, as we see now. Slip is trying to remain with their roots, but lyrics so out there, man. So out there. This song only got like three horns for me. That's all I gotta say on that. It only got a one. Yeah, I I, I put a nut remove it from the fucking album. Uh, Number eight, Um, goodbye. Sick. uh, Yes, oh my gosh, I was so glad I got picked on the uh, the hat for this one. Four minutes and 35 seconds of greatness, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, this is by far, hold on and I'll explain why, by far um, the most mellow track on this album. Goodbye isn't a traditional Slipknot song from the beginning, but this song is if it doesn't anyone in a special, special sense. Like it, it, it to me, it's about a lot of things, and, and I, I really don't want to backtrack. You know, two, uh, uh, two tracks before, I played this song technically on my show several times. Uh, on my DJ show to close out my show, and it's not to say goodbye, fuck you, I'm leaving. It's more like, hey, goodbye until next time. Um, I personally, when I play this song, I don't get teary-dyed because my old man never got to hear what Slipknot sounded like. But it does, it kind of hits me in a way that it, it brings back the joy and memory. Like, you know, it's like I, I can hear him almost saying, hey, son, you know, I, I know I've been gone for almost, damn, Jesus Christ, 27 years, 26 years. And uh, but it's more like I've been around. I'm still here. 
you know, and when it's your time, you know, you'll come up here and chill. Me, honestly, in this, I mean, like I said, a lot of people like that hard, hard, hard slip. I've grown accustomed to that slow shit, man, that Vermilion Part 2, the freaking, uh, there's a snuff, for instance, that came off all oh, hope is gone. Yep. I, yeah, I've come to like how Corey does his songs, in my opinion. I honestly gotta say, if not, it's gotta be my favorite track on this whole album. I gave it a five horns rating myself on it. Uh, I'm gonna say, bounce it back this time a little differently. Let's go back to Bush and see what he thinks on this. I think that uh, this is a Slipknot ballad done right. Uh, I totally dig it. Corey Taylor, he's here showing his softer side. Uh, even though he does get a little screamy, for um, for lack of a better term. Um, I like the lyrics. Uh, what I'm getting from uh, from this is it's a love song. It, it is, it's kind of how I'm taking it. You know, and... Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they, they suffer their problems, their trials and tribulations. They always come back to each other. So, yeah, it's just like goodbye. You know, we're going to take a break or whatever. I think it's a great tune. It's probably my third favorite on the album. What you got about, man? Well, uh, on this one, the only thing I could pretty much do, because, I mean, I, I this song's like skeptic to me. I mean, gotcha. for what I've took from it is hard for personal preference. So what I did, I actually looked up uh, Corey's understanding and what the song actually meant. So I'm just going to read that. I'm not... I'm not quoting this. Corey Taylor stated, it, stated this himself. Goodbye is actually a song that refers to the day we lost Paul in the mood in the scene. He is basically set where the whole band was sitting at my house and we were all numb and so destroyed that we were looking at each other going, fuck, what now, what just happened? The closest thing I can even compare to it is if we were standing next to a bomb and it goes off. Wow. And we're not physically hurt, but there's such a bombastic uh, repercussion that happens with that when you're just thrown uh, for a loop, and that is what the song is. It's a piece of getting back together and hoping we all can stand as one and try to find some hope in what uh, in one of the darkest days of the band's career. Now, them saying that, I totally got it because uh, on the lyric part, can we all just uh, uh, stop and take a moment of silence? When it said that, my wife, as, and I mean, we, a lot of people don't realize, we know each other personally, me, Bushy, and Sin, all three. We know each other's families, we know each other's spouses. I don't know Bush's spouse uh, or his girlfriend right now to the full extent. But, I mean, we're getting to know each other pretty well. Uh, but Jessica, uh, her favorite, I mean, as everybody knows my wife, she is a diehard country fan. I mean, he totally straightforward. How a metalhead and a country girl got together, I'll never know. Me and her fight over the radio every day. But, I've finally got her a little bit more accustomed to metal music, and that is one song on the album she won't even listen to because it makes her cry every time because of my father. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I, can, can I add one thing that's not even remote? Well, it's tied a little bit to what you said there, how a uh, metal man can get along with a country girl. It's how you eat that poo-tang, brother. It's how you eat that poo-tang. <laughs> eat that poo-tang, man. You got yourself a good country woman for life, brother. I promise you that. That's funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. On that note, no Maddock. Um, I think it's a pretty wait, good wait, tune. Wait, 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 wait. Granny Clyde wants to make a comment. What? Oh, she. Mom said no. It's the cute way us guys get on and off. Good. Wow. Lord. And that's from my mother. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so number nine, Nomadic. Uh, let's see. I, I think it's a good tune. Um, I love the vocals. I love the delivery, especially in the chorus. I love uh, how he's switching between the singing and the screaming or yelling, whatever you want to call it. The spoken word part, that little spoken word part, is cool. It's got. Uh, a killer guitar solo. Everything else is just standard by the number Slipknot. Um, I don't think it's a great tune. It's a good tune. I definitely won't skip it. Um, but I don't go searching for it either. What you got, Sid? I got Northern Alabama, so nomadic. Wow, what can I say? This, this song, opinion-wise, it feels like it belongs on highway, in my opinion. Corey, I, he's so out there in this song, I can't tell whether he's sensibly emotional or straight up angry. However, I will agree that the guitar work on here, man, on this cut was phenomenal by far. But like again, Corey again, I don't know what the hell he wants to do. We're doing Slipknot, we're doing Stone Sour, we're doing Slip Sour, Stone Knot. Like what the hell is going on here, man? My opinion, I only gave it at least 3.75 horn rating on that one. Mountain Man, what do you think? Well, you have a bullshit, man. Now I got to get a calculator out to figure out what you think of a song. What the fuck? <laughs> three, three and three quarters, fucker. That's three and three quarters, man. Yeah, come on, Matt, bro. I'll help you out, dude. Well, well you, honestly, for what I took from Song Sin, you're exactly right. It, it, it's the other side of goodbye, honestly, for what I took from it. It's, it's basically when the anger starts up that you're trying to get back up on your feet and go through life. Uh, basically, it's the... Uh, what's the easiest way? I guess, uh, if y'all understand this, is the sprint that happens once you get back up on your feet is kind of what I'm saying. Basically trying to run head forward and be normal. But the anger is there to the point that uh, that it's literally about make you go crazy, that it makes you want to cry. But you're trying to be a man or trying to be a strong person and holding yourself back from that. Uh, and you're afraid to show, show your true feelings. That's that's basically what I got from it. It's it's the other side of goodbye going through the grieving process. So, so, Alright, yeah. So I basically, can see that. it's like somebody running, falling on their ass, and then getting all pissed off that they got a scrape on their knee, and then basically trying to get back up and run again, and then they just fall right back down, something like that? Yes, pretty much. Like, like, and, but, like, if someone's trying to help you through the process, you're keeping yourself so shut off that you, you don't want to share your true feelings and be able to get through it. You're basically trying to deal with it on your own. Nice, nice. Track number 10, the one that kills the least. Going to kick it back to the Mountain Man. Well, uh, this one, I mean, it's a song where you put everything in perspective. I mean, honestly, when you realize the decisions you make that can come to haunt you because of something like, like in my case with my dad, uh, losing the person that you care for, whatever, uh, 
basically it everything that happens within a point in time it affects everything and everyone around you so i mean basically from uh uh no matter what you do or what what you go through there's a point that i mean it's just where the one that just like the lyric says the one that kills the least still kills us all lyrically it's every action has an equal and opposite reaction no matter what you do what oh you go shit through. mountain man bringing science to the fucking mix <laughs> look at that <laughs> i'm not as dumb as i look <laughs> and I'm, so, about to, I'm about to dumb down this review real quick because I didn't get into the lyrics at all. I, I, I'll read you exactly what I wrote. I had so much to say about this. I said, ballady, but not a ballad. Another song where I prefer Corey singing to yelling. Not bad. Take it or leave it. That's literally all I have to say about that song. It's 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 not memorable for me. Um. I like what you said a lot better. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah, yeah. What Mountain Man said, because I like that better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Yeah, what you got? I think that just starts off goofing Koji. Uh, it picks up and means pretty decent track on the album for a deep cut. Uh, being out there and so weirded out for that track, I actually gave it four horns, which is kind of weird because considering that it, to me, it seemed more like a put together project man and it just it blended dude it, it sounds like everybody's coming from a different angle on that song and it was just put together and it just sounded good that's what I well what, well may I, may I interrupt you actually just stated exactly what the band done for that song actually and I, I, I was uh, reading it the other day uh, whenever I was looking up information and trying to figure out what to do that song actually came from 133 and what a lot of people, if you don't know 133, he is the keyboardist of Slipknot. He, out of all 19 years that the band has been together, never gave one input, one insight. He very rarely talks. That was actually one of the songs he incorporated most of his time and opinion on than any other member in the band. So basically, with with all of them doing everything that they have been and everything, all every band member to that song contributed something for the first time in 19 years in Slipknot history. Wow! Wow! See, what once I get to this portion of the album, this is where I'm like, okay, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) And and if if that's the best the guy's got after 19 fucking years, he should just keep his opinion to himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number 11 Custer Sid take it away no go on wow yes wait how, how, how's Custer go wait a minute it's that yes let me just say one of the not most hardest songs on this album both lyrically and musically the boys are finally back on how that commercial shell that they're trying to do like I don't know whether they're trying to Tune your shit down because the FCC found them a little too hard. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but this is by far like shit you would find off the Slipknot album. We're not even talking to Iowa. We're talking like demo days. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, man, from <laughs> this song, literally feel like if this song was a girl 
it literally did, and forgive me ladies but it literally just went balls deep in that ass uh, from start to finish Custer is an absolute masterpiece in my opinion uh, one of the hardest if not the most hardest song on here behind Skeptic I would probably put this song no bullshit man five horns for sure Mountain Man well I mean it's focusing on anger I mean that's what the whole song is the lyrics literally between uh, Corey, Sean, uh, the clown, and Chris. All three of them contributed to the album on that one. Back in vocals, chorus, whole nine yards. Cut, cut, cut me up and... Let me make sure my granny's head. Fuck, fuck, fuck me up. Thank you. That, that part, I mean, that stuff you honestly want to tell people in this world... But you can't, to a certain extent, with certain situations. I do it every day. Nate does it every day. Joe does it every day. People like us, get, that's one reason why us three click, because we all look at everything kind of the same. But other people that's trying to live by this world and be a martyr, that, 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 that's why, I mean, basically them uh, trying to uh, ploy themselves off as that, I mean, it's it, it's basically telling the word world fuck off. It's that simple, and a lot of people don't have the balls, the gumption, the backbone, however you want to put it, to say it anymore. And that's what the whole song is talking about: quit being a pussy and stand up for yourself and fucking tell the world to fuck off. Yeah, Short, even simple, Corey, to the point. Even though Corey Taylor Taylor's a little liberal crybaby bitch, but okay, I do like that message. Um, this song for me, I, I don't know. I'm, the, the parts I like the most is that cut, cut, cut you up, fuck, fuck, fuck you up part. The studio banter in the beginning when he's telling the drummer, the guitar player, or whatever, how to, you know, that, you know, the intro to the song, basically. That's cool. That's a lot clown, of clown, actually. Okay, you know, whichever. I, I don't know who they are. Um, I, I, I see Mountain Man jerks off the pictures of Slipknot, which is cool. You know, everybody's got their thing. Uh you're hilarious, but I ain't that desperate and I ain't that fucking lucky. <laughs> but um, it, there's a lot of noise in that intro. Way too many effects. And then that little spoken word thing comes up and I don't understand it. You know, like I said, I, I admit I do like that chorus. And the song does get a little better after the chorus hits. But I don't like all those effects. Um, I, I don't hate it. I definitely don't love it. Uh, it does have some angry parts, but get rid of all the fucking effects. It drives me insane. Right, right. Now, okay, number 12, Be Prepared for Hell. I've got written down me. I call this a weird little spoken thing, is all it really is. It's spooky. It's kind of cool in a creepy uh, you know, King Diamond or Rob Zombie film kind of way. It's only a minute. Um, I'm assuming that's a, a lead into the next track. Um, I don't hate it. It's kind of cool. It's a little weird. It's not something you go looking for. What do you think, Sen? In my opinion, uh, what I, I couldn't tell if it was a commercial break or a skit in the album, man. Uh, definitely not a song. <laughs> it was two minutes, oh, like a minute 57 seconds long. All I heard was this creepy thing, like you said. Uh, and to me, I've heard creepier things before that don't even come close to this. So I honestly do not feel that... I, you can't even call this a filler song right here, man. Like, literally, this doesn't belong on his album. Like, literally, this should be, like, on a DVD somewhere or, like, 
for a B-rated movie. Literally, I gave it a horn only because it needed a horn, and I, didn't, I don't believe in the zero factor, but literally... I that's why That's horn. why I said Rob Zombie film. It would work in there as they're about to get their head cut off. Mountain <laughs> Man, what you got, brother? Well, I, I'm... I, hell, it's the first time I'm actually going to disagree with the two of you. Um, I thought the song was great, incorporated with it, because for the first time ever, uh, Sean, the clown, is the one singing it. And if you know anything about Clown, he doesn't call himself a musician. He doesn't call himself anything like that. He calls himself an artist. And he goes through and does painting, stuff like that. And one of his, just like you two stated, Rob Zombie. That was one of Clown's favorite dudes to inspire him to do something. So, yes, technically you're right. This is kind of like a Rob Zombie kind of ordeal. But for uh, for it being included, I mean, for dealing with what they did with Paul Gray and plus everything, I mean, it being just what it says, be prepared for hell and just say when I can uh, uh, open my eyes and realize I've died. Depression oh. aspect, I see that. I get it. And then, just like you said, it being an intro to the next song, I, I, that is the one part I do totally agree with. But um, as for it being there to uh, deal with depression and stuff, to incorporate it in a death-oriented uh, album, I 100% disagree. I think it is a good song to include in there, especially by someone other than Corey Taylor. Nice, nice. Uh, and yeah, and, uh, what would we say, Rob Zombie? I want to make sure that uh, the people understand. I definitely mean filmmaker rob zombie right not musician rob zombie because right. rob's music to me doesn't have any horror aspect to it at all uh not not like his films do all right uh about man the negative one what 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 can you say about the negative one i mean so the title explains itself dealing with inner turmoil having to deal with just like the devil and I, dealing with the devils and everything you go through in life. And this is one thing I find funny. I don't know if you two ever heard it or read it, but everybody swears a lot of people against Slipknot that that song is about Joey Jordison leaving the band. It's not. If you honestly listen to it and understand the words, T totally to get it either for yourself or for the band, it's about having to deal with inner turmoil, period, end of story and discussion. I mean, having to deal with certain things and trying to be able to let it go. Dealing with turmoil in general is not an easy thing. It's stressful, it's hard, and it's, it's a hard thing to let go of when you're right in the middle of it. So basically being able to, uh, to get through and come out on top at the end of it, being able to punch whoever in the face or tell whoever to F off and be able to come to a good state in your life or position, whatever the case may be. That's what I got from the negative one is basically punching your way through and coming out on top in the end. Nice, nice, cool. What do you guys said? I have here. It's about damn time to get back into critiquing the album, considering what Be Prepared for Hell was. But, um, you're gonna have to say it's my least favorite song. Only thank you to the damn radio station out here in Sin City. 
who gave it also a big shaft rotation. Like, for, for instance, this song is a 13th track on an on a album. Okay, we're talking whether it's a CD or you're getting it from Spotify or Pandora. Or as the resurgence of vinyls coming back, this is going to be on a B-side album. I don't understand how this song just got the play that it did. Like, literally, when this song came out when I first heard it, I was like, oh, please, maybe it's just a DJ that's, you know, sitting there going to play because they found it as a hidden gem. This song is a beautiful hidden gem. It's overplayed out here on the West Coast, but it is a beautiful gem from start to finish. And like I said, man, I, I'm so glad we got internet radio now that we don't have to freaking word it shit out of the song, man. Because FM, man, you guys need to stop doing what the hell you're doing. Unless you're getting paid big from these fans, you need to quit, man. Because like I said, this is a, <laughs> this is a hidden gem. Now, here, here's the thing, though. Like I said earlier, out on the East Coast, man, my boy Mountain Man might not hear this track on his FM stations. For the love of God, there's not even an FM radio rock station where he lives at. I went to go see this man three years ago. We literally listened to this album the entire time in his truck when we visited, when I visited him out there. So I know in a standpoint where he's coming from because he literally has to get these albums, whether it's via record store, internet, you know, buy them, you know, do whatever. This song right here is badass though. Don't mind if you hear it on the radio. You know what? Let the radio have their little play or whatever. This song kicks ass. Anybody that hates this song should be like, I don't know what. I gave it four and a half stars. Look at me, four and a half stars. Horns, bitches! Uh, yeah, four and a half horns uh, on execution from start to finish, man. Great song. Great song. Bushy. Not a fucking fan. Not a fan at all. I think this mix sounds empty the whole time. I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure how to explain it. It's, it's like I'm not feeling a good, thick, heavy rhythm guitar. It's like I'm not feeling or hearing the bass. It's a complete pass for me. I don't even like the vocal delivery, and I didn't bother to pay attention to the fucking lyrics. It, it just feels empty. It's a horribly mixed song. Fuck this song. I'm so glad that when they decided to end this album, not the deluxe, but the regular, that they ended it on the next track. If Raid is what you want, I love this song. I think the little speak and spell thing at the, uh, at the, at the beginning is weird, but it's still pretty fucking cool. It's a slow song. I absolutely don't hate this. It's a very cool way to end this album because... This, this album definitely has a lot of ups and downs, but to end on basically a six-plus-minute ballad, I think it's actually brilliant. You don't see that a lot. You see bands, they want to hit your heart in the intro, hit your heart on the way out. This, this fucking album, they did the exact opposite. They, they went pussy in the very beginning, and they did a good job at being soft on the way out. I don't like 19 so much, uh, but I love, 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 if Raid is what you want. Mountain Man, what do you think? Well, I, I agree there. I mean, uh, to the point, I mean, this song is melonically. I mean, that's that's all it is. It's more melonic than basically uh, dealing with certain aspects. Um, for what I got from it is basically dealing like, I guess, for uh, this from the standpoint of the band for what I've got. 
how people wanted them to deal with Paul's death. And uh, basically, like, the way I look at it, if, uh, like, uh, if you're standing there and you see Slipknot on stage, just in silence, millions of people looking at them with the ideas of how they should grieve and how they should deal with it instead of it being the way that they are doing it. They're doing it by honoring Paul by going back on the road, back on tour, making more albums to do what they can to honor their brother. That's basically what I got from it. The, it's, it's a good song, in my opinion, to understand that concept and fact, but for it being like a teetotal, slipknot, original song, I like. I, I have to disagree. I like uh, 19 better than I do. If rain is what you want, personal opinion for me. But everybody's uh, an asshole. Uh, opinions like an asshole. Everybody's got one. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already said that once. You better come up with new material. Uh, <laughs> so, I, that's that's basically what I got from it. See? Nice, nice. I have absolute nothing to comment on this song other than the fact that it is a beautiful six minute plus masterpiece, man, from start to finish, man, and a great way to end the album for sure. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, as I said, it was uh, it was released October 21st, 2014 in the U.S. Um, first album not to feature the founding bassist Paul Gray, and uh, of course Joey Jordison uh, had left. Um, the negative one actually received the nomination for Best Metal Performance at the 57th Annual Grammy Awards, uh, nominated for Best Rock Album the following year, along with Best Metal Performance nomination for the song Custer, which is hilarious because I hate both those fucking songs. The genre, according to Wikipedia, does call it heavy metal and new metal, so there you go, Mountain Man. Fuck off. I told you it's new metal. What the fuck ever. <laughs> metal music is metal music. Shut the fuck up with just posting them as a certain damn way or genre. Jesus Christ. Absolutely. In the United States, it has, as of this time, sold 500,000 copies, so it has gone gold. Um, Devil and I actually did not enter the Billboard Hot 100, but it did peak at number 23 on the Bubbling Under Hot 100 singles chart. Anything else you guys want to add to this uh to this review any final thoughts on the album itself mm, other than casting him here last summer on that tour i wish they would have played a few more songs but fortunately when they did come out on that tour they already had did a uh, album tour for the great chapter unfortunately and uh korean boys just decided to do um some i guess you would say classic tracks from Slipknot but a uh, great show for making us wait two and a half months thank you Corey <laughs> <laughs> what you got about man well all in all for the whole album I mean speaking from a fan standpoint even though certain aspects are down certain aspects are low the whole album completely and understandably was for their basis Paul Gray 100% no way around it period so for the band's aspect of it and their execution of everything as a whole, I give the I agree. I give the whole album a five five point all five stars for it all being mashed as Slipknot. But from 
a full understanding of being able to incorporate it into our lives or being able to push for it a certain way, I give it about a 3.9 because not every song is 100% directed at the fans like it normally used to be. Nice, nice. More of this weird fucking math, 3.9s and .75 horns and shit. Look, this is what I can say about the album. Uh, I dig it as a whole. Um, as with a lot of music, there's things that I, you know, could do without. There's things that I'll flat out skip. Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to listen to this record every day for the next fucking week because that was starting to drive me insane. But all in all, I am a fan of this album. I'm, I'm not a huge Slipknot fan. I do like a lot of songs. So when I saw them on that same tour last year, I had a blast because they played all the shit that I know. So, you know, I had, I had a good time with that. Um, all in all, I think it's, you know, it's a solid album, solid effort. I, I'm not going to rate it on a star or horn level. I'm just going to say it's a solid album. It's a solid effort. And, um, yeah, I would say pick it up if you haven't already, but I would assume everybody has already. So, all right, that ends the review of Slipknot 5, the gray chapter. And, uh... After having done this review and listening to a lot of the Mountain Man's input, I gotta say, I know why it's called the Gray Chapter now. That uh, makes it a little more interesting for me, because now it's obviously a tribute to the late, great Paul Gray. Which is pretty amazing, because I never looked at it that way before, so thank you, Mountain Man. Alright, I think it's about time for us to get out of here. I'm gonna put some bumpers and stuff up at the end of this. Is there anything you guys would like to say? I want you to stop with the violence, man, America, straight up. You should be kind to one another, whether you like a person for who they are or what they look like. Stop the violence. I'm tired of seeing it on TV, man. It's not a good thing. On a positive note, man, as I always close out my little show and segment, man, stay high until you die, man. Smoke that green, man, and get fried. 151% all the time, man. This is your boy, Sin. I'm out. I'm out, man. Do you have any final words for these great people? Well, we de- one, we definitely appreciate everybody that's going to be listening to this podcast, download it. We hope that... I know, all two of you rule. Uh, exactly, right? All, <laughs> all, all two of you. No. <laughs> but for in the future, when we pick up a little bit more, doing more segments of different things, I mean, we appreciate it. We appreciate the support. I 100% agree with Sin. Stop with the BS in America. Remember that ever, all of us are supposed to be one united front. No matter what, stay sick. Uh, help each other constantly. And nah, I don't. I, I, now, on that aspect of Sin smoking, nah, I'm good. I, I stay high on life because I'm up in the mountains. I don't have to worry about it. But anyway. <laughs> low, low oxygen up there. Yeah, you're right, right. We stay high anyway, constantly. No, <laughs> no matter what, everybody, stay sick. Uh, take care of each other. And if y'all, uh, how should I word this to make it simple so I can critique it later on to make it sound really good? Don't do nothing we wouldn't do, but if you do, by God, you better name it after this. Peace. Uh, outstanding. And I'd like to thank everybody that's uh, that may be listening, like I said, all two of you. This is episode one of The Plug. There's a lot more to come in the future. This is going to be a weekly show, so make sure you tune in. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell bitches you hate. I don't care. Just get them to listen. 
I want you guys to always go listen to thatmetalstation.com. Go check out our buddies at the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. They're the ones that inspired me to do this stuff in the first place. And motherfuckers, bye vinyl. We'll see you next week. Wow.